Well, good morning, and once again, welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. I can honestly say there is no place I would rather be than right here this morning with you guys on this beautiful, gorgeous Sunday morning. It's bright and sunny. It's not too hot. I love it. Fall, I think, I hope, is finally here. Uh, I said hope. (laughs) Um, As you guys know, we've been unpacking this idea of hope is here. And for the last three weeks, we have been looking at some ways uh, that we can see hope, that we can see hope in our everyday lives. And we're going to continue that today. We're actually going to wrap that up today. Uh, Today is going to be part four of our hope series, and that is hope for the doubter. And yes, we're going to talk about Thomas, but we're going to talk about a new spin on Thomas that I hope will be new for a lot of you. And we're going to look at this from a little bit different angle today other than just telling the story of our friend doubting Thomas. But before that, we are going to play a game. And yes, I said we're going to play a game. We're going to play a true or false game. Now, for those of you who are in school, for those of you who had been in school, my least favorite type of question on any test is a true or false question. Can anybody relate to that? I hate true or false questions because what they do is the whole thing is correct except there's one little word in there somewhere that makes it incorrect and it is so easy to miss that. And then you sit there and you second guess yourself. I'm pretty sure that's true. Oh, wait. But that word maybe makes it false. But wait, maybe it's mostly true? And it makes it really hard to determine whether true or false questions should be answered as true or false. So we're going to play a game this morning. And this is going to require you to participate right along with me. So if you were planning to sleep through the sermon, you got to wait just a few more minutes. So this is going to be a true or false game. Now, if you think that this statement that I'm about to read is true, I want you to raise your hands high in the air. And that's that 11 banks are robbed every day in the United States. If you believe that to be true, raise your hand. Okay, so about, just just taking a quick survey, about half of you believe that that is true. Well, guess what? That is actually true. Now, I don't know about you, but that caught me off guard just a little bit because I don't, I think of with the technology that we have today and with the security we have today, there's no way that still 11 banks a day in the United States are being robbed, but that's actually true. Let's try another one. You are more likely to be stung by a bee in windy weather. Raise your hand if you think that is a true statement. My wife adamantly is waving her hand in the air. That one is actually false. So the majority of you who did not have your hands up, you are correct. You are no more likely to be stung by a bee during windy weather than you are when it is calm out. Now, here's an interesting one. In Japan, they have square watermelons because they are easier to stack. Raise your hand if you think that's true. Again, about, just again, just quick survey, about half of you, maybe a little less than half of you believe that to be true. That is actually true. Now, this one caught me by surprise because I personally have never seen that, which doesn't mean anything, of course. But that one caught me by surprise because I thought in my own head, there's no way that they have square watermelons. But apparently, it's true. And maybe some of you have seen that. Maybe some of you have experienced that. That one caught me off guard, and we're going to talk a little more about that a little bit later on. And here's our fourth one, that penguins can smell toothpaste 
from a mile away. Raise your hand if you think that's true. The Acostas are on board. They say it's true. Alicia's doing the whole, like, I'm going to be right either way. So if I put my hand halfway up, then I can't be wrong. But it's your birthday, so we'll let you get away with that. All right, so once again, raise your hand if you think this is a true statement that penguins can smell toothpaste from a while away. Because there are some really weird things in the animal kingdom, right? But that is actually false. Penguins cannot smell toothpaste from a mile away. And I don't think where penguins tend to live, there's probably a lot of toothpaste anyway. But here's my point, and the reason that I wanted to play this little game with you this morning is some of you, at least, believed all four of those to be true. And on the flip side of that coin is some of you believed all four of those to be false, even though they weren't. And I want you to think about that as we unpack our, our lesson today, as we talk about Thomas and the doubt that he had. See, if you chose false on some of those, or you chose true on some of those, you were doubting the fact that those statements could possibly be true. And I'm just going to be honest, the watermelon I got wrong. It caught me by surprise when I put this together. But I tried to come up with ones that weren't just common knowledge that everybody knows, because that wouldn't be any fun. So let's see what this looks like. What are the things in our lives that cause doubt? Now, number one, I put out there is false information. And I think you all know where I'm going with that. Social media, right? Everybody is an expert on social media. The guys I went to high school with that never graduated from high school, never went to college, and still live in their mom's basements are experts when it comes to pandemics, right? You don't have to have any credibility to put information out on the internet. I can put whatever I want. And just like we saw with our true or false game, not only can I put anything that I want, but somebody will believe it. Misinformation causes doubt. Because, see, we, we see so much information out there, so much information out there, that it's hard to know what's true anymore. It's hard to know, and it's hard to sift through all of the information out there to figure out what's true and what isn't. You know, this, this pandemic has been a perfect example of that. So much information from people who claim to be experts. Oh, if you touch something someone else touched, you can get the coronavirus. And then they came back and said, it doesn't, it doesn't get transferred that way. So, so who do you believe? But see, this is where that doubt comes into play. Because there's so much information out there, and half of it is good and accurate information, and half of it is not. It's hard to know what to actually trust. People hurt us. People hurt us. And that causes doubt. See, people do things to us, and people hurt us physically, and they hurt us emotionally. And what does that do? That causes us to doubt other people and their intentions. See, when someone does something to you, when someone hurts you, what does that do? That causes you to shut down, right? It causes you to go into your shell and say, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. So when the next person comes along with very good intentions, you keep that person at an arm's length. Because when you've been hurt, for example, in a relationship, and that next person comes along, my wife is laughing at me right now because this happened to me. Uh, just side story. When I met Lizzie, the last thing I wanted was a girlfriend, and the last thing I was looking to do was get married, because I had been hurt very badly in the relationship I was in before. 
And it caused me to doubt that I really wanted to get back into a relationship. It caused me to doubt the fact that I wanted to open myself up again, but God works in mysterious ways. And my proof is right there in the fourth row. And we live in a world full of hurt and pain. This has been a a tough season for us. It's been a tough season for a lot of people. People have lost their jobs. People have lost spouses. People have lost family members. And you see all of this hurt and all of this pain and just just all of the things, and I'm not just talking about the pandemic, but all of the things that happen in our world that we just can't understand can often lead us to ask, where's God? Who is God? Is there a God? We've all been there. Let's just be real honest with ourselves for a minute. And I'll bet you can think of a time in your life where something happened and you questioned either your faith or you questioned God. I've been there. I'm just going to be honest. I've been there. Maybe it was when something happened to a loved one. Or maybe, heaven forbid, somebody passed away before their time and you just really had a hard time wrapping your brain around that. And it causes us to doubt. So really, at the end of the day, we're not that much different than Thomas. Because, see, Thomas doubted. And we doubt. But we're going to look at some other things about Thomas today that I think you're going to find impactful. So let's set the scene real quick, just in case you're not familiar uh, with this story of Thomas. But what has happened is, is, is Jesus has been crucified on a cross. So remember that the apostles, one of which was Thomas, of course, who had been following Jesus around for three years... And watching him do these amazing things. And they had become not just co-workers, but friends and brothers and sisters and loved ones. And this group that kind of traveled with Jesus. So see, Thomas and the rest of his cohorts had just watched Jesus, their hero, their mentor, their leader, their friend, and their brother be hung on a cross. Think about the emotional impact that that had to have on Jesus' followers. You can understand why Thomas was so distraught about the situation. And yes, Jesus had talked about the fact that he was going to be crucified and that he was going to come back three days later and come back to walk on the earth. But let's think about that for a second. How realistic does that really sound? If I told you today that I'm going to get hit by a car and I'm going to die and three days from now I'm going to walk back in the doors, you guys would be like, yeah, right. It was not a believable thing. It was just not something that they could wrap their heads around. So we know what happened, right? When Jesus was crucified, what did his followers do? They left. They dispersed. Some of them went back to their old lives. They went back to fishing or whatever their job was before they became followers of Christ. And they dispersed because they thought, it's over. That's it. What do we do now? And out of their desperation, they simply said, well, I guess I'll just go home. And that's exactly what they did. Well, to set the scene at this point, there was, there was this buzz going on, and there was this, this idea that, hey, Jesus came back. 
So his followers, they met in this, in this room, right? Behind this locked door. Because remember, what was happening to the followers of Jesus is they were being persecuted and they were being killed. So that kind of sets our scene for where we're going to pick up our story here today. The big idea is that Jesus is not afraid of my doubt and he will meet me right where I am. Jesus is not afraid of your doubt and he'll meet you exactly where you are. So go ahead and open up your Bibles with me, if you would, to John chapter 20. And we're going to start in verse 24. So again, John chapter 20, I'll give you just a minute to find it. In verse 24, we're going to pick up in this story again. Jesus has just been crucified. It's a few days later now, and Jesus is starting to reveal himself to his followers. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, on the surface, we read this and we say that, wow, Thomas, really? You don't believe what your friends are telling you? They just said they saw Jesus and you don't believe them? It's easy to look at it that way, right? It's easy for us now to look at Thomas and go, dude, what were you doing? Why didn't you believe them? But see, Thomas had his own convictions. He said, I'm not just going to go with the crowd. I'm not just going to believe what everybody else says. I want to know for myself what's going on. Fast forward that to today. Thomas was basically saying, I don't care what I read on Facebook. I want to know that it's true for myself. And that's exactly what Thomas was doing. See, we doubt because we want to protect ourselves. So as much as Thomas wanted to think that Jesus had truly come back, he didn't want to get hurt. He didn't want to get his hopes up for this amazing, miraculous event that his friend was coming back, that his brother was coming back and get hurt. We do the same thing. When somebody tells you something that's hard to believe, what's your first reaction? No way. Uh-uh. That didn't happen. No. And why do we do that? Because we want to protect ourselves. And that's exactly what Thomas was doing. So you see, Thomas wasn't really that different than you and me. Because guess what? Sometimes we need to be proof things, right? We, we need to see the proof for ourselves. We don't just take other people's words for it. Verse 26 says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. It says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, this is one of those scenes from the Bible that I have a hard time wrapping my head around. Because again, the scene is, they're in this room and the door is locked, and Jesus just comes cruising right through the door. Now think about that for just a minute. If these doors were all locked... And all of a sudden, a guy just comes walking through the door. That would probably be a little frightening, right? That would be a little crazy. I know I would be like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? And I think that that's why Jesus says, peace be with you. Because it probably frightened them. It probably scared them. And he said, hey, hey, it's okay. Relax. It's me. It's Jesus. We're good. He's telling them just to calm down. Take a deep breath. We're okay here. 
27 says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now, I love that verse. I love that verse because of the way that Jesus responded to Thomas. See, I'm not focused on the fact that Thomas was, was doubting Jesus. I'm focused on what was Jesus's response. Did Jesus say, oh, you of little faith, get away from me. I can't believe it. I can't believe you were one of my followers and you don't believe what's going on here. No, Jesus said, come here, Thomas. He said, come here, Thomas, and, and let me show you who I really am. And see, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And maybe it's not doubt. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's another problem that we have in our lives. But Jesus meets us where we are. And that's exactly what he did to Thomas. He could have easily said, you know what? You non-believer, get out of here. You shouldn't be with the rest of these guys. No. He said, come here, Thomas. Come here and let me show you who I am. Because Jesus loved him enough and he was patient with him enough to meet Thomas right where he was in the middle of his doubt. And say, hey, we can get through this together. And I love that so much because this teaches us how we should respond to others. This teaches us how we respond when someone thinks differently than we, acts differently than we, prays differently than we do, or worships differently than we do. We don't send them packing we welcome them with open arms because that's the example that Jesus gives for us. So how do we treat someone who's in doubt? How do we treat someone that's struggling with their faith? They're struggling with who Jesus really is. They're struggling with the fact that how have all these terrible things happened in my life and there's supposedly a God who loves me. We have the perfect example of what Jesus just did. We've got to understand where their doubt comes from. Because see, those people who are doubting, those people who are saying, I just, I don't believe that God is real. There's a reason for that. There is something that happened in their lives. There is something that was said to them, something that was done to them, something that they've read that has led them to believe that there's no God. And see, we have to understand that. We can't just say, well, why in the world don't you believe in God? What's the matter with you? No, we have to say, what's going on with you? What's happening in your life? We've got to welcome them in. And then we've got to try to understand where it is that they're coming from. Because again, there's a point in all of our lives, if we're just being honest, where we have doubted. And we've got to welcome those people in and say, look, I understand. And I felt that same way but let's study together, let's read together, let's pray together, and let's work through this together. And see, that's kind of what Jesus did. He knew what Thomas needed. And he welcomed him in. And he said, hey, put your, put your hand in my side. If that's what you need to believe, put your hand in my side. Jesus met Thomas right where Thomas was at. Verse 28 says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. See, Jesus knew what it took for Thomas to believe, and he did it. And sure enough, the light bulb went off, and Thomas went, oh yeah, it really is you, Lord. 29 says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. We don't get to see Jesus physically. Now, unless he's coming back today, and I don't know about it, he's not going to walk through the back door while we're in our service today. Be kind of cool if he did, right? But we don't get to see Jesus. But what we see is the effects of Jesus. It's kind of like the wind, right? You don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. All we have to do is look around at this amazing creation that we have, at all of the amazing people in this room, to know that there is a God. Blessed are the ones who believe, even though they haven't seen. See, we don't get to go put our hands in Jesus' side, like Thomas did. But we've been given this amazing book. And we've been given amazing people in our lives. And we have this amazing creation that we look around, and we know that that didn't happen by some form of accident. There wasn't a big explosion, unless God caused that explosion to happen. We know all we have to do is look at the person sitting next to you. Because that person has a DNA inside of them that can't be replicated, that can't be reproduced, and that most scientists can't even truly understand exactly how it works. We don't have to look much farther than that to know that God is who he says he is. See, we don't have to doubt when we trust the source. What's the source? The source is the word. The source is the Bible. Anything you need to know is right there. You just have to look for it. See, we trust the source. If you believe that the Bible is the inspired word, like I do, and I think most of you do, or you probably wouldn't be sitting here this morning, then you can believe that Jesus really came to this earth, that he died, and that he rose again on the third day for your sins. It's right there in the black and white. And guess what? Regardless of which version you're looking at, it's still there. I promise. It's there. We trust the source. We don't have to doubt. See, we don't have to doubt that God is real, and we don't have to doubt that Jesus came to earth, because it's right there. And we trust the source. I want to talk about some things as we get ready to wrap up about the character of Thomas. Because, yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas was a doubter, not arguing that fact. We shouldn't doubt our faith, not arguing that fact. But I think that Thomas gets a bad rap. Because he's been known his whole life as the doubter. Think about something in your life. Maybe you're not, you're, maybe you're not, a, not a neat freak. You're not a clean person. What if somebody said, hey, there's messy Jason? You probably wouldn't like that very much, right? Or, hey, there's sloppy Ray over there, right? And Thomas, and I'm not saying that about either one of them, just for the record. But, but Thomas got this label that he had to deal with his whole life. But I want to point out some things that Thomas did right. And this is a story that many of us tend to forget about. And this is from John chapter 11. And some of you will know this story, and, and, and maybe you, you don't know this story, but this is after Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend, had passed away. So Lazarus had died, and Jesus was basically saying, I need to go there. I need to go to Judea to be with him. 
And the other uh, apostles and his followers were saying, do you remember what happened the last time you were there? They tried to kill you. And they're saying, Lord, don't go. Don't go because they tried to kill you the last time you went there. They tried to stone you. Don't go back there. It says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, this is the part that I love. And this is the part I want you to not miss. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, we're talking about the same guy, this is Doubting Thomas, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, if that's not courage, I don't know what is. So why couldn't he be courageous, Thomas? Why has he got to be Doubting Thomas? But Thomas was courageous, and Thomas was also willing to die for what he believed in. So before we go giving Thomas this bad rap, uh, he's just that doubting guy. He's just Eeyore, right? Oh, woe is me. Everything is bad. Thomas was courageous. And Thomas was willing to stand by Jesus to his death. He also displayed honesty. Because yes, he showed it in a strange way with his doubt, but he was being honest. Hey, I'm not sure. He was willing to say, I'm not sure that Jesus is back. Because he was honest. He didn't just go with the crowd. He didn't just go with the flow. He said, hey, I'm not sure. And I think he should be commended for that. Just like we can't just go with the flow. We can't just believe what others tell us. We have to decide for ourselves, and we have to do the research, and the research is the Bible. And last of all, Thomas loved his brothers and sisters. See, Thomas didn't necessarily agree with what they were saying. He wasn't convinced yet that Jesus was really back, but he didn't say, Forget you guys, I'm going to go do my own thing because I don't agree with you. He didn't say, I don't like the way you did that, I'm out of here. He didn't say, I don't like the songs that you guys sing, I'm going to another church. No. He said, even though I don't agree with you, I'm here. And I'm going to stand right beside you. And there's a powerful lesson in that. We don't have to agree on every single thing. But what we have to do is be a family and stick together. Thomas got some things right. Yes, he was a doubter. But Thomas got some things very right that I think we can emulate. And again, you may not be a doubter. You may have something else that's holding you back from your relationship with Jesus Christ, but guess what? He doesn't care and he's not afraid of that and he'll meet you right where you are. He met Thomas in his doubt. Maybe he needs to meet you in your addiction. Maybe he needs to meet you in your relationships. It doesn't matter. He'll still meet you there. And just like with Thomas, it shouldn't define who you are because who you are is a child of God and you're loved. And you're loved every single day. Just like Thomas was still loved despite his doubt. Maybe this morning, you, you've, and maybe it's not doubt, maybe it's something else. 
But maybe there's something that's holding you back from the relationship with Jesus Christ that you should and you want to have. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the elders to come forward as Brandon comes and leads us in the song of invitation. And you have an opportunity to come down, get that off your chest, talk about it. We'll pray with you and help you in any way that we can. Or maybe you've never been baptized into that hope that we have in Jesus. Maybe you've never been baptized into the living hope of Jesus Christ that we read about in the Bible. You have an opportunity to do that this morning, to come forward, to confess your sins, to be baptized, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you walk out that door today, you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. If we can help you in any way, I want you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the Declare the grave has no 
every day. Thank you for joining us here at this place, for leading us through worship, for leading us through prayer, through leading us through your word. Thank you for today to remind us of your hope, of your salvation, that there is hope in you, no matter if we're broken or if we're doubtful or if we're weary or for that other thing that I can't remember from the lesson series this week, that fourth week, God, that no matter where we are, we can f find hope in you. Heavenly Father, I want to uh, lift up the reeds as well as this at this time as we're about to go over and do a walk-by baby shower. Please bless their family and bless their, bless their new son, bless their addition. Help us as a family to give them love and support, to give them the hope in this body that they can come to us for anything. Be with us through this week. Join us, continue to lead us and walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen.